This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Oh, how's everyone doing today? Doing all right? I can almost see you. It's kind of nice to, to, sometimes it's nice to be blinded by the lights because then your introverted self can just have a monologue with no one in the room. But, oh, now, okay, thanks, Joe. Now I'm seeing you. Hey, I'm excited uh, for the next couple weeks because we're going to be wrapping up this series that we started at the beginning of summer, Take Heart, where we've been looking at Jesus's catchphrase. So when you look at the life of Jesus, he said so many amazing things. He taught us so much good stuff about life and how we find life in him and connect with God and this, this beautiful hope he's come to give all of us. And so often you would see him meeting with people right where they're at in the midst of their struggle or situation or trial, and he would speak words of encouragement to them. And he would say this phrase. He would say, hey, take heart. Now, I don't know if you've ever had somebody encourage you, and maybe it just felt like they sent you a nice Hallmark card, and you're like, thanks, but no big deal. The amazing thing is that when Jesus says these words, it's a big deal because he can back it up. Like he has the ability, he has the power to show up in our lives and change the story forever. And today what we're going to see is Jesus showing up in this crazy moment in the lives of one of his first followers, this guy named Paul. Maybe you're familiar with Paul. Some of you, maybe you have more of a Catholic background. So this is St. Paul with the halo on his head. That's the Paul we're talking about. This is Paul who is one of the early leaders in the Christian church that Jesus basically met one day and, and invited him into this new life with him. And Paul became one of the most famous first century followers of Jesus. It's because of Paul that we have so much of our Bible because God used him to write words that speak life and truth to us today. And and we're going to see Jesus show up in a moment where Paul is in the thick of it. And he's going to speak these words of encouragement and hope. So that's what we're going to jump into today. But in order to get to this moment, we're going to have to do a little bit of work setting it up. So are you ready to kind of like lean into a story that we're going to have to spend some time unpacking to get there? Okay, good. And if you're not ready, you're here. So you're, you're in it anyway. So those of you online, don't check out. Stay with us. So we're going to jump into the story that takes place in the book in our New Testament Bibles called Acts, A-C-T-S. And it stands for Acts because it's the Acts of the first Christians. So it was written by a guy named Luke who was a Jesus follower. And he wrote this book to help us know the early story of the first Christians. So after Jesus was resurrected and he gave the gift of his Holy Spirit and then he did what he said he was going to do, he went back to be with the Father. He said to prepare a place for you. And if I've gone away, I'm coming back. And so they were living with expectation that Jesus was at work in their story and they have a future hope. And it's our same hope that we have today. And so Luke is telling the story and so much of the story begins to revolve around this guy, Paul. And so Paul's been on this this missionary journey to share the message of Jesus. And he's always had this dream to go back to the holy city of Jerusalem and ultimately go and visit Rome, the capital of the day. Because Paul wanted to share Jesus with all kinds of people, his own Jewish people and the pagans and Gentiles and barbarians of his day. So which is really good because I'm, I'm in that category. I mean, I don't look like a barbarian, but I would have been in that category back in the day. And yet the message of Jesus is for everyone. And that's the beautiful thing. So we see Paul excited about going to Jerusalem, and yet he knows it's not going to be without struggle and challenge. Because look at what he says here in Acts chapter 20. And he's speaking to one of his first churches and, and a group of people that were encouraging him. And he says, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I mean, like, like the Spirit of Jesus has just said, Paul, let's go. I've got a journey for you. I've got something exciting for you. 
And I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Man, wouldn't that be a great memo to get? Like Jesus like, hey, I got a plan for your life. And I'm going to send you on an adventure. And everywhere you go, it's going to be prison and misery. Right? And yet I love Paul's passion over, over what God has done in his life. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, that's what Paul's whole life was about. Because when he met Jesus, his life was transformed forever. Because when we first meet Paul in the book of Acts, he's not a friend of the first Christians. He's actually trying to extinguish this early movement. He's going around trying to round them up, getting them arrested, having some of them executed. He's not like he would have been a terrorist to the Christians in the first century. And then he meets Jesus one day, and Jesus is basically like, Stop it, stop persecuting me. And he's like, Who are you? And he goes, I'm Jesus. And Paul's like, I'm done. And Jesus is like, No, you're not. I'm for you. Get on my team. And Paul joins Team Jesus. And he can't wait to tell the story because his life was changed forever. Like he was forgiven and set free. And now he's like, This is for everyone. And so Paul is so passionate about this. Even though he knows trouble is ahead, he's like, I'm not backing down. And so he says to these first Christians, he goes, And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. Because he knows this is goodbye because of what's about to happen and where he's headed, whether it's going to be a long term. Like, like it wasn't like he could jump on Southwest and come visit them again. This is going to be goodbye. And he goes, and I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Like I've done my part to share the message. And so my hands are clean of anyone's story because I've told you the good news, and now it's up to you to decide if you're going to respond or not. But can you just hear Paul's passion about what's going on in his life? And so Paul then says goodbye to these first Christians and begins the journey back to Jerusalem, the holy city. And it takes a long time. And, and so he's just visiting friends and people along the way. And in one of those places, he's given this warning. So we fast forward to Acts chapter 21, and this is what we see. Several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound his own feet and hands with it. And then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. And so now Luke's writing because he's a part of the story. He says, so when we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem, right? Because like that's not a good, like that sounds like a bad moment, right? And so we're like, Paul, don't do this. It's not going to turn out well for you. But he said, Paul said, why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. I'm, I'm ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. And when it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Can I just say, I, I am 2,000 years later grateful for Paul. Because he didn't give up, even though he knew it was going to be hard. And because of his faithfulness, I have Jesus in my story because of the things that he wrote about Jesus. That those words God has used 2,000 years later to change my life. Because he wasn't going to give up on Jesus with his life. Think about the impact one person has had for two millennium in our story. And think about the impact you can have in another person's story if you don't give up 
just because it's going to get hard. And so Paul leaves to head to Jerusalem, and he shows up, and he meets some of the early Christians. He meets Jesus' half-brother, James. And so they decide, let's go to the temple and, and fulfill some of the Jewish customs that, that are just part of what our people do. And so Paul shows up to the temple, and the religious leaders are looking for him because he's a traitor to them now. And they find him, and they arrest him, and then he begins to share about Jesus as they're trying to put him on this mock trial. And this riot breaks out in the city, and Rome, which is the ruling oppressive power in the day, shows up in this moment. And they're like, what's going on? And they see Paul in the middle of it, and they're like, he must be the problem. So they arrest him, and then they get ready to beat him. And then Paul's like, do you hit Roman citizens? Like, he plays a citizenship card, and they're like, oh, no, we're not supposed to do that. Like, it's crazy. Like, just read the story. It's, it's like, this is the kind of thing they make Netflix specials about. It's so amazing as we're watching this. And so then Paul's arrested, just like he was told was going to happen. And then he's getting ready to be put on trial with Rome and the, the Jewish leaders. And so they're like, let's give him a chance to explain himself. And that's where we're jumping in right now to see this. Because in the midst of this moment, Jesus is going to show up and speak words of encouragement to Paul. Whew. Are we ready now? All right. This is in Acts chapter 22, bleeding into the next chapter. And this is what we read. The next day, the commander, so this is the Roman commander, ordered the leading priests into session with the Jewish high council. And he wanted to find out what the trouble was all about. So he released Paul to have him stand before them. And gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, Brothers, I have always lived before God with a clear conscience. And so what Paul is saying, like basically, if you could read the subtext, I don't care what you think. I only care what God thinks. Instantly, Ananias, the high priest, commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. But Paul said to him, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. What kind of judge are you to break the law by ordering me struck like that? Like, you know how sometimes we're called to be like meek and mild people? I love Paul. Because he's just a dude, right? And I know this moment, and he's just like, hey, that's out of order. Like, you're not, you don't have the right to order something like that. Like, who are you to have me slapped in the face? And those standing near Paul said to him, do you dare to insult God's high priest? And Paul's like, I I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was the high priest. Now, whether Paul knew it or not, or here he's being sarcastic because Jesus is the high priest, we don't know. But look at what I love what Paul says. But Paul replied, for the scriptures say you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. And here's what I love. Like Paul's so committed to the truth God has given in the scriptures that he'll submit to even somebody like this dude. Like that tells you about Paul's commitment to following Jesus, even in the face of unfairness. And then Paul realized, so I love this, now the genius of Paul begins to show up in this moment. Paul realized that some members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees. So he shouted, brothers, I'm a Pharisee, as were my ancestors, and I'm on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. Okay, now we don't, we may not fully understand what that means, but imagine you were here at like a, a political rally and suddenly people don't like your political views and you realize there's Republicans and Democrats in the audience and then you suddenly yell, I'm a Democrat! And then all the, like, so do you see what he's doing? He's like trying to get them to fight each other instead of coming after him. Does that make sense? I'm not getting political. I'm just trying to help paint a picture of what Paul's doing. Do, does that make sense? Do you think, okay, some of you are like, what is Joel? Is he conservative or liberal? I don't know. That's not the point. I'm an independent, just so you know. All right. <laughs> and so Paul does this because he's trying to turn them on. So, so look what happens. This divided the council. The Pharisees against the Sadducees. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection 
or angels or spirits, but the Pharisees believe in all these things. So Paul's saying, like, the reason I'm in trouble is I'm declaring resurrection of the dead because I'm saying this, dude, Jesus didn't stay dead. He was resurrected, and now they're all fighting with each other. So there was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees jumped up and began to argue forcefully. We see nothing wrong with him, they shouted. Perhaps a spirit or an angel spoke to him. And so this hubbub and uproar begins to come, and it gets pretty intense. So as the conflict grew more violent, the commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart. So he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him from them by force and take him back to the fortress. So that was a good first day in court, right? <laughs> like, this is way bigger than the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial in this moment. <laughs> like, this is intense. And so here's Paul. I'm in prison. I'm in trouble. Like, Jesus, where are you in my story? And this is where Jesus shows up to encourage him. And that night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. And there's the phrase. Take heart, he says to him. Take heart, Paul. And I think, why? Like, why? If I'm Paul, I'm like, why should I take heart? Is it because you're going to get me out of this situation? Because he's done that in Paul's story in the past. He's miraculously rescued him from prison. He's like, Paul was actually stoned to death once. And he got up one day and like, got up and just said, is that all you got? And walked off. Because Jesus was like miraculously holding him up. And so in this moment, if you're Paul, like, okay, are, like, how are you going to break me out of this one? What are you going to do? How are you going to rescue me? How are you going to save me? Am I to take heart because you're getting me out of this mess? Nope. He says, be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Hey, Paul, take heart. Be encouraged. Because just like you've been abused and mistreated here in Jerusalem— I'm going to have you go to Rome, and you're going to experience all of that there as well. Take heart. And if I'm Paul, I'm going to be like, I got some questions about the plan. Like, help me understand what this means, Jesus. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't quite follow. Like, this is not the course I thought I was signing up for. Like, what are you doing? And yet, here's what I love. What Jesus says, you're going to be a witness. Like, Paul, this prison will actually become the platform by which you will get to tell others about me. And Paul, that mission that started in your life all those years ago when I called you into this new life with me, this is part of the plan. Do you know that when, when Jesus first called Paul to follow him, he had one of his other followers come and pray over Paul, and then he told this other dude, Ananias, who was going to meet Paul for the first time, he says, and Ananias, I need you to explain to him how much he's going to suffer to follow after me. See, Paul knew out of the gate it was going to cost him to follow Jesus. And here's Jesus saying, Paul, it's part of the plan. Paul, here's what's going on. I want you to understand that this is not surprising. And for Paul, this is not a very popular moment for him to be Christian. This is not a very popular moment for him to be a follower of Jesus. And I, I don't know where everyone's at in this room. I think maybe some of you are here, you're just checking it out, trying to figure out what this is all about. Like maybe there's something, like God's been doing something in your story or a friend tricked you here. I don't know how you got here. But I just want you to know God has a life for you and it's really good, but it doesn't mean it will always be easy. But it will be better than whatever life he's inviting you out of. And so I just want to encourage you to lean in, see what he maybe wants to be saying to you today. 
But there are others of us who have crossed that line, who have stepped into this journey, who have given our lives to Jesus. And sometimes it just gets funky, doesn't it? And sometimes it feels like, can I, I have a gift receipt. Can I, like, this is not the life I thought I was signing up for. And yet I think what we need to understand is that it's not always going to be popular to follow Jesus. Because Jesus is not always going to be popular with the world around us. Now sometimes, the reason it's hard to be a Christian is because of other Christians, right? Like sometimes it's like we, we've got some crazy people in our bigger family, right? And they don't always do us any favors in how they live out their faith and represent Jesus in the world around us. So sometimes it's like somebody will ask me, hey, are you, are you one of them? And I'm like, which them are you talking about? Because <laughs> I'm not them, but I'm, I am, but I'm, you know, like it's, it's weird, right? Like so sometimes it's hard because of other people, but sometimes... It's hard not because of other people. Sometimes it's hard because Jesus doesn't always sit well with the culture we find ourselves in. Right? Because sometimes belonging to Jesus and identifying yourself as belonging to him will put you outside of the popular mainstream cultural beliefs of our day. And that's just, that just comes with it. Like, like we have this popular belief in our culture today that, that you can define yourself and define and be whoever you want to be. And yet when you look at the story of Jesus, it's like, no, no, I'm actually defined by this God who has created me. And I will find my truest self when I surrender my life to Jesus and let him tell me who I am. But those ideas don't get along really well. And so that's part of the wrestle, right? Sometimes identifying as belonging with Jesus can put you on the wrong side of history as people understand it right now. Because there will be people that look at, how could you believe that? And how could you practice that? And it's like, I'm, I'm not trying to be aggressive or mean. It's just I'm, I'm trusting what God has told me about reality. And, and I'm going to align myself with Jesus because I believe in the long run, I want to be with his side of history. Not the perception of our world's today, our world today view of history. But have you ever felt this? Come on, is it just me? No, it can be hard, can it? And I think there's something important to understand about this, about following Jesus. Following Jesus means we identify our lives with him. Jesus, I belong to you, and I belong with you, which is why I follow you, even if it doesn't always make sense, even if it's not always easy, even if it's hard. And the reason why is because following Jesus is never just about us. Following Jesus is about what he wants to do not only in us, but what he wants to do through us to the world around us. What he wants to send us so we can invite people into this beautiful hope of a life that can be transformed forever. And see, Jesus calls us into new life with him. He calls us to join him in his mission. He calls us to, to join him in this rescue mission that he has stepped into this world and to help others discover him. And yes, that is through our lives and our actions, absolutely. But it's also through our words, which is why Jesus says, Paul, you're going to be a witness and you're going to testify about me. That's why Paul writes these words in Romans 10. It's, it's not on the screen, so just, just listen. He writes this. He goes, but how can they, meaning those who've never heard about Jesus, he says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? 
And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Which is why when we talk about Jesus, we always say, this is good news. He can change your life. He can change your story forever. And there are times where Jesus will bring us into moments, into opportunities, where we get to share that good news with people around us, where we get to be a witness of what he's done in our story to another person, to share what we've discovered about him, what he's done in our life and in our story. Because it's not just about what he's doing in our life and our story, because the thing he's done for us, he can do for anyone, because it's also for other people. And yet the challenge is that we can't impose that on another person. We can't force someone else to believe. We can't legislate our faith. Ours is not an imposed faith. It's an invitational faith. It's a come and see what God has done kind of story, kind of reality. And we get to share that with people and hope that they get to discover it for themselves as they lean in and say, I want to know more about Jesus. And yet the challenge with that is it, it gets scary sometimes, doesn't it? Like those can be scary moments. Those can be uncomfortable moments. And a lot of times when it's go time, when Jesus is calling us into those opportunities to, to be that witness, I think so many times we can take the stand and plead the fifth. Because it's a lot easier to be quiet, isn't it? Than to share the reality of what we've experienced Jesus doing in our story. To share this truth that's setting us free. And I think this is why Jesus comes to Paul and says, Paul, take heart. Be encouraged. Not because I'm going to get you out of the situation. But take heart. Be encouraged because I'm going to leverage the situation to give you a platform to share with others what I've done in your life and through your life. And Paul, I'm going to let you be a part of other people's stories so that you can help them find life in me. And there is no greater joy in the journey of following Jesus than when you get to be a part of somebody else stepping into that same new life. There's nothing more exciting than that. Then when you see someone come to life in Jesus and you got to be a part of that story. And so how do we take heart in those moments where it's not easy, where it's scary, where we're trying to figure out how do I share my faith with someone in a way that's not oppressive or in your face? What does it look like to take these words that, that Jesus speaks to Paul and take heart in our story? so we can share our faith with the world around us? How do we not miss those moments? And so here's some thoughts that I think can be helpful for us as we seek to live this out the best we know how. And I just want to give you some encouragement right now. Like, I'm, I'm the shy, awkward introvert who has, like, God has the greatest sense of humor that he has me stand in front of people and talk. <laughs> But let me tell you, when I'm the, the quiet one at the party, it's just as awkward, right? So if you're a shy, awkward introvert, like, there's hope for you. Some of you, you're the gregarious, outgoing personality, right? And we're just kind of like, you just need to be more quiet, man. Like, you're freaking people out, right? But, like, there's hope for you, too. Because Jesus is at work in our stories, wanting to leverage our lives so that we can be a part of a bigger story and someone else's story, right? And so here's some thoughts. How do we do this? How do we take heart? And the first is this. 
we got to be prepared. we got to be prepared for the reality that those moments will happen in our life. That, that God will line us up in the relationships around us, whether it's at our work or in our neighborhood or in our schools. That he'll want to, he'll want to bump us into other people because he wants us to represent him. And so we've got to be prepared for those moments. And so here's a question I would just ask. Like, why do we try to consistently gather together as followers of Jesus? And again, maybe some of you are here for the first time, and you're like, I'm just figuring this out. And like, that's awesome. Lean in and know that you're always welcome here to figure it out, and we want to help you find Jesus. But for those of us who've crossed that line, we're called to do life together. So whether it's through our Sunday gatherings or through our small groups or through the courses that we do, why do we gather together? Is it just to sing Kumbaya and remind ourselves of how awesome Jesus is? Well, at one level, yes, it is, but it's actually so much more than that. It's so that we can be prepared to be out in the world around us and share this thing that we found. And I love how Paul writes this in one of his letters in Colossians. He says this. He says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your life. Fill you so that you're ready to be poured out. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankfulness. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative Jesus of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. See, one of the reasons why we gather consistently is so that we can encourage each other to get back out there in the game to be representatives of Jesus in the world around us. And yet if we're not prepared, it doesn't always go well. Let, let me give you an example of what not being prepared looks like. I'm in school, university, going through college, and go to Denny's with a group of friends just to study because we can afford the Grand Slam. Back then it was $1.99. So we could scrounge change and get like three of them. And it's like late night. So it's close to midnight, and I'm like, I'm just going to go out to get some fresh air. And so I pop out, standing outside in front of the Denny's, and I'm just kind of like doing my own thing, minding my own business. And then I see him out of the corner of my eye. I can see the guy over there, and he's smoking, and I get a whiff of what he's smoking. I'm like, oh, he's having a good time. That's why he's at Denny's. He's buying a lot of these Grand Slams right now. <laughs> and then I see him see me. And so that terror as an introvert begins to like, and you're like, oh, no, person, run. And then I see him start walking towards me. And he's like, hey, man, how's it going? And I'm like, it's going, it's going good. I don't think it's going as good as it's going for you, but it's going good. And then he's like, do you want some? And so, like, he's being super generous and kind and sharing. And I say this. Oh, man, no, thank you. I get high on God. You know when you just say something really stupid, and you realize how stupid it sounds, and you're like, just like, oh my gosh, did I really say that? Like, that's like cheesy Christianity 101, right? Like, oh. And then the guy looks at me and he's like, oh, you want to preach? All right, then preach at me. And I'm just like, I just want fresh air, man. Like, I just came out here like, like, I don't, like, and I, I like, I backed out of that conversation. I ran back inside and just like buried my head in my books, right? Like, because I wasn't prepared with what maybe God might want to do with them. So here's the reality. What I shared was actually true, 
but it was shared stupidly. Because there is a truth to what I shared. Like the reason I, I don't need to chase the substance or the stuff or all of it is because I, I found God in my story and he is so fulfilling me that the deepest parts of me have finally found their home in him. And bro, it can be for you too. Why couldn't I have said that? Because I wasn't prepared. I, I had been trained with cheesy sayings instead of truth that transforms, right? And yet there's this, this reality that, that God's going to want to use us in any given moment, so maybe we could actually prepare ourselves before those moments. I love how Peter writes this in Peter, 1 Peter 3.15, one of the early followers of Jesus. He says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And I love that because, like, Peter assumes that we're living in such a way that people will look at our lives and go, what is it about you? What is it about your life that just seems different? And, and I love to, to give an answer for the reason of my hope. It doesn't mean I have to have every argument for the existence of God figured out. Those exist and those are awesome. But to give the reason for my hope, it's one word, Jesus. And just to be ready to share that in those moments when someone asks. And then that often opens up a lot of questions and conversations, Right? And so it means that, hey, maybe we could read and prepare and understand why do I believe what I believe. And, and so I, I want to offer just like a really good resource for you. It's a book called The Reason for God. It's by a pastor from New York called uh, Timothy Keller. This is a really good book. We have them in the phase shop today. If you want to buy one of these afterwards, it's $10. We're going to eat $15 in tax so you can have it for $10 as a church because we really like you. But like this has just been such a helpful book for me to wrestle through my own beliefs and stuff. And I love, let me just read you this excerpt that he writes about this. Understand like, hey God, why did, why did you create us? Why, why do we exist? And Keller writes this. He said, God did not create us to get the cosmic infinite joy of mutual love and glorification, but to share it. Because he already had that. We were made to join in the dance. And if we will center our lives on him Serving him, not out of self-interest, but just for the sake of who he is. For the sake of his beauty and glory, we will enter the dance and share in the joy and love he lives in. And we were designed then not just for belief in God in some general way, nor for a vague kind of inspiration or spirituality. We were made to center our lives upon him. To make the purpose and passion of our lives knowing, serving, delighting, and resembling him. And this growth and happiness will go on eternally, increasing unimaginably. That's some good news. Why couldn't I have said that? But what if we just chose to like be as prepared as we can be? So that when the moments come, we're as ready as we can be. Be prepared. Second idea, if we're going to take heart for when those moments come, be listening. Like, do you ever feel the pressure of knowing what to say in moments where God is kind of moving you towards someone or an opportunity? Anyone feel that pressure? You're like, uh, like Jesus and run. Like, what do we do, right? And yet what I love is that Jesus doesn't leave us on our own to figure that out. Look at what Jesus says about this. The reason we can take heart is because he says stuff like this. Jesus says this in Luke 12. He says, 
And when you're brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. There will never be a moment when you're on your own figuring it out. The Spirit of God will be at work inside of you. And if we can learn to listen to His Holy Spirit at work in us, He will give us the things to share in a moment. To just speak a word of hope or a word of life into another person's story. I've experienced this in my story. Years ago, I was going and, and filling up at a gas station, and I'm there pumping my gas. And again, it's always out of the corner of my eye, <laughs> the, the, the people, right? Like, so whenever something shows up in the corner of my eye, I'm like, God, you're probably a part of this. Okay, here we go. And so this guy kind of walks up, and he's like, hey, hey, man, do you have any money? And I don't always know what to do in those moments, right? Because it's really easy to judge in those moments. And I'm like, I, I try not to do that, but I'm also somewhat skeptical and cynical and all those, like, I'm just a dude trying to figure it out. And, and, and so he's just like, hey, do you have any money? And I was like, thank you. I have no cash. Thank you, God. He's like, sorry, man, I can't help you. He's like, ah, I'm just trying to get some gas so we can head up north. And you know, there's those times where it just, like, you feel like God's almost like showing up and like, like he's just nudging you. Have you ever just felt like God's just kind of like putting something, like you need to respond or move or do something? And that was just one of those moments, and I was just like, ah. Sometimes I'm a reluctant follower of Jesus. And I just remember I said to him, you know, you know what, man, like, I, I don't have any cash, but I'll tell you what, let me, let me finish. I'm going to park right over there. If you bring your car up, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some gas. And he's like, ah, oh, thank you. And so I finish, I go park, and he pulls up, and there's two guys in the car. And so now I'm just pumping the gas, and I'm like, I'll give him like five bucks, which back then was, was more gas than it would be now. Um, <laughs> Like, that would have gotten him from San Diego to L.A., no problem. <laughs> and so he's just kind of standing outside, just trying to be social and interact with me. And then I hear him and his friend begin to talk. And I remember his friend just saying, like, God's bullshit. Where is he in my story? Like, if God's so good, why are we stranded down here? And he's just emoting and railing. And Sorry I said that word just a second ago, but I was quoting him. And I just remember God's like, it's time to show me off. And I just said, hey, I, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt in this moment, but I know you're asking that question. That's a, that's a really big question about life. I've asked that question a lot in my story. And the only way I know how to answer this for you in this moment is that I belong to him. And God said I was supposed to give you guys some gas. So if you're wondering where God is in this moment, He's standing here putting gas in your car through me. And I'm giving you a full tank because he's really that good. I don't know what happened after that. That's not my job. My job was to be listening and to just speak words of life and hope when God brought me into a moment. And now I'm like thinking like, what a cool conversation this guy's going to have because he's trying to convince him God's in the story. And he's like, well, you, we just had a white guy fill up our car. If that's not God, I don't know what is as they're driving. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, that set them up for a moment. But I think so many times we feel like, i got to seal the deal and close it. And it's like, no, just be faithful and be listening. And when God moves, just speak the words he gives you. Because he's responsible for the big story. It's just our job to play the part. Now, if he calls you to fill out someone's gas tank now, that's really got to be from him, right? <laughs> be prepared. Be listening. 
Be bold. Be bold. Don't be brash. Don't be arrogant. Don't be the one who knows it all. But don't be afraid to be bold in those moments. I love what Paul writes about this. I'm going to come back to the story, uh, follow one of my notes, but I want to read this first. I love what Paul writes about this being bold in 2 Timothy. He's writing to his protege, and he says this. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And then he's telling this to Timothy, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. That's why I just want to encourage you, when God's bringing you in those moments, and you just... I don't know how to describe it, but you just have that sense of oughtness, like I ought to do something, I ought to say something. Listen and be bold and enter into those moments because you have no idea how God's going to use that in another person's life. When Christy and I were living in Canada, like God really like allowed for us to be able to buy a home when we were there. And it was such a cool moment. And we, we bought the house from this young guy, Dallas. He was in his 20s. And like we just kind of developed this rapport with him as we bought the house and kind of hung out. And he knew what we were doing and our, our angels like, oh, like, I'm a spiritual person. And we're like, cool, we are too. And we're a specific kind of spiritual person, but that's cool. And, and we just kind of had this rapport. And he would just sometimes just ask questions. And we would just kind of like engage in a conversation with them. And, and then one day, like, like maybe a year later, like he just was texting me. He was like, hey, I just want to let you guys know I'm moving to the, the west coast of Canada. And like, it was so great getting to know you. And we're like, hey, man, have a, have a good life. Like, thanks. And, you know, if we got weird questions about the house, like, I'll, I'll ask you and stuff like that. And and then one night, Christine and I are out for dinner, and we're just out, like, sitting in the bar at a nice restaurant, and, and all of a sudden, Dallas walks up to our table, and he's like, ah, oh, I get to say goodbye, and we're like, yes, we get to say goodbye, and, but my introversion is like, this is all awkward, you know, and, <clears throat> and then Dallas is like, I had the weirdest dream last night, I'm like, oh, tell us about it, he's like, all night long, I just felt like someone was tapping me on my forehead, and I kept waking up, and I'm like, who's there, who's there, and I go back to sleep, and someone was tapping me on my forehead, and I was like, who's there? And then Christy got crazy bold in this moment. And she's like, Dallas, that was God. And he's waking you up because he wants you to know that he's got a life for you. Okay, now you say that to the wrong person in the wrong moment, and now you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? (laughs) But when God's leading you into a moment, you be bold because you're not responsible, right? And I remember Dallas's eyes just got really big, and he's like, are you serious? Because he's like, Dallas, we know you're leaving this week. And this was a Saturday night. You got to come to our church tomorrow. Just come and see what this Jesus is all about. Because I'm telling you, he's trying to wake you up. And I just remember I looked at Christy and I was like, that's crazy brave. Like, I don't know if I could have done that. I would have just been like, like, have a nice trip, right? And the amazing thing is the next day, Dallas came and he brought his mom. And I just remember after the service, like, like, Dallas walked up to us, and he was just, like, alive with excitement, and he was just saying, like, he, he said these words, he was like, if I had known it, whatever it was in his mind, if it could have been like this when I was younger, I think my life would be totally different now. And then I suddenly, I got to be bold, because I was, like, on my turf. And I was like, like, Dallas, it still can be different. Because what you encountered today, that, that was Jesus, and Jesus will meet you wherever you go. 
And so I, I want to encourage you to read the life about him. So we downloaded the YouVersion app. And I'm like, just read this, this book of his life called John because Jesus has a life for you. And wherever you land, guess what? Jesus will be there on the, the West Coast. And there are people that follow him. And so try to find some of his followers and ask them to tell you more about him. And then Dallas went on his journey. And I, I don't know where he's at on the journey because ours was just to play that one part. Oh, friends, do you understand that, that there are going to be opportunities in your life to be the witness to the reality of what Jesus is doing in this world through you? And I just want to encourage you to be faithful to those moments, to, to sow seeds. I love this. Jesus uses this analogy of, of, of people going out, and he's like, it's like a parable of a, a sower sowing seeds in the field. And and I remember reading this in my 20s, and it suddenly gave me such a, a, a sense of freedom because I realized what Jesus was saying in that moment. Like, my job is to simply to sow the seeds. What happens between the seed and the soil, that's your business, Jesus. My job is just to sow the seeds. As a shy, awkward introvert, I, I can do that. I can throw some seeds wherever I go. If you promise to do the other thing. So maybe God wants to use you to start throw, sowing some seeds in another person's life. Maybe God's bringing you into proximity to people because he wants you as his kid to show him off to them. Let me tell you, one of my favorite invitations when it comes to this sort of thing is what we see some of the first followers of Jesus doing as they begin to meet Jesus in the beginning of John's account of his life. This one guy's trying to tell his friend, I just met this dude, Jesus, he's awesome. And his friend is like, right. Because people were cynical back then, just like they are today. You know what he says? Dude, just come and see. I don't know if he said dude, but that was... <laughs> come and see. That's my favorite kind of invitation. When you, when you have enough relationship and street cred with a person, and they're wondering what's going on in your story, you don't have to convince them. Just invite them. Man, why don't you just come and see? Come and see what it's all about. Come and see what this thing is, because... I believe there's a God who is good, who is for you. I believe there's this Jesus that's real and at work in the world, and he's done something in my life, and it's changing my life, and I think he can do the same for you. Come and see. And when it gets scary, and we're feeling uncomfortable, and it's awkward, let the words of Jesus come to you. Take heart. I want to use you to impact another person's story. So Jesus, here we are, gathered in this place. Because for many of us, we have come to see that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And it's not just for us. And so thank you that because of you, there is hope in this world. There is hope in each of our stories. Thank you that no matter what we're facing, the, the struggles, the challenges, the trials, we know that it is well because you are at work in our lives. You're on the scene. You're showing up. You're bringing life and hope with you. And so would you awaken us to the opportunities that are all around us to shine for you in this world? Would our lives be a reflection, not because we're perfect people, but because we're loved perfectly by you? Would our lives be a reflection of what you're doing 
And when it's time to speak, would our words point people to you and invite them to come and see? And so come, Jesus, come. Remind us of the hope that we have. So as we go out, we take that hope with us wherever we go. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.